Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I'm with Amelia Boone. She is commonly referred to as the Queen of Pain. Um, not something that she's uh, offered herself up as title, but, you know, it's kind of how it rolls. Amelia, say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. Amelia, gosh, I've interviewed uh, Rose Wetzel. Um, I've worked with Hunter McIntyre. He's a friend. I've trained him. You know, just lots and lots of different uh, OCR athletes. And your name always comes up. Your name always comes up. And I just thought, geez, I, I need to get a hold of Amelia. And I was bummed. I reached out to you once. And, I, you know, I know that sometimes <laughs> Facebook isn't the most effective way to get in touch with people. Yeah. And I thought, all right, she's just dissing me. So, but. <laughs> No, it's just, I like, I tell people I'm awful at Facebook Messenger. I get this sounds bad, but I'm like, I get a lot of messages and I typically will like look at them and then be like, oh, okay, respond to that later, Amelia. And then it just like goes by the wayside. I so I like, I'm, I, I'm sure that I've pissed off my fair number of people who are like offended that I haven't ever responded to them. And it, believe me, it's like really 99% of the time, it's nothing against you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty thick skinned, Amelia. Yeah. If you knew me better, you would know that, you know, <laughs> it's really tough to, to get under my skin. Good to know. All right, so Amelia, let's talk about a couple things. First of all, I want to talk about how you kind of got into the sport, and I'm sure you're probably tired mm -hmm. of reciting <laughs> this. You almost have a canned speech for this, I assume. A little bit, yeah. So you got into the thing about yeah. uh, 2011. So you're you're a yeah. bit of a dinosaur in the sport, really. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that four years is a dinosaur, but right. yes, <laughs> but it's true, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that kind of makes you an authority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> it, it really does. It makes you an authority because uh, there's a lot of speculation in respect to where the sport's going to end up. I'm sure you're quite familiar. Joe DeSena has designs on getting the sport to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of naysayers about the potential for that to occur. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you a little bit about me. Is I've been in endurance sport for quite a long time. Just take your age and double it and give you a sense of, you know, <laughs> I've probably been in the sport as long as you've been alive. <laughs> and I recall times when they were discussing the potential for getting triathlon into the Olympics. Right. And everybody poo-pooed that idea. And, I mean, I'm sitting on the couch uh, having this conversation with uh, producers for CBS Sports in the midst of producing an event for television, first professional triathlon in the United States where there was a purse involved. And I was producing that event. Mm -hmm. And that was back in 1984. Uh, I'm kind of a student of the sport of endurance and looking at how it evolves and 
the characters involved. So I'm really a voyeur in all of this. I've, mm-hmm. You know, truth be told, I've never done an obstacle race, and at this point in my life, that's not on my agenda. <laughs> However, being a coach and yeah. my day-to-day is dealing with athletes, uh, uh, I'm on the other end of things. I call it right. bullshitting the bullshitters. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just love this, and I love the opportunity to get into you guys' heads and find mm-hmm. out what makes you tick and how you get to where you go and and right. all that. So, But going back to you being a dinosaur and all this, your first yeah. race was a world's toughest mutter, right? Yeah, so my first actual like race where I was competing against other people would have been uh, world's toughest mutter in 2011. So I had run you know, two Tough Mudders before that, but they don't time you or anything, so it's not really a race. Um, and it's funny, because I actually, when I signed up for them, I tell people, is I, you know, I was looking at at OCRs, and I saw Spartan races, and I saw Tough, tough Mudders, and I didn't like the idea of being timed, being chip-timed. Like, I just didn't. I'd never run road races. Like, I'd run one half marathon, and it was fine. I was like, whatever. But I just, I didn't want to, I actually really didn't want to measure myself against other people. So that's why I signed up for a Tough Mudder instead of a Spartan race. And so it's funny now um, that doing like two of those was like, sure, okay, now I'll go run around in the mud for 24 hours. And then it, you know, it's led to where I am now. And it's just kind of, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and speaking of where you are now, I, I'm doing a little research and I see that in the course of 2014, you did about 14 events, of which you came in first place eight times, second mm-hmm. place, the, the balance of those times. Mm-hmm. And so to go from uh, zero to 10,000 miles per hour in just a matter of yeah. a few years, it talks about you. You're a pretty tough cat. <laughs> I guess so. There's something strange there. <laughs> well, I'm looking at it. You don't have this pedigree, right. which makes it even more interesting to me because, you know, I talked to like uh, Rose has got this storied career as a, as a runner mm-hmm. that puts her in strong contention for this sport simply because she can outrun most of the girls. Right. 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 And, uh, you know, looking back at guys like Max King and some of these other guys that are great runners. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting into the sport because they know, hey, you know, I, I cannot run these guys. I don't know what your thoughts are, but when you think in terms of the, the complexity of the sport and you think in terms of the things you have to be good at, right. I think it's easier to become strong enough to do the obstacles than it is to become capable of running well for very distances. What's your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, I think that I think that's probably why you see people – runners being able to transition fairly well to it as long as they're willing to put in some time to learn the obstacles and gain that strength and I think it's a huge misnomer that runners don't ever strength train or just that or neglect their upper bodies I find that less and less so nowadays especially with a lot of runners you know starting to do crossfit or other other types of you know supplemental like interval type of workouts um with upper body to uh you know, to supplement that. So I think for sure having the endurance engine and the running engine is the piece that still really sets people apart with how obstacle racing is currently set up. Um, so, you know, it's, that's a, that's a definite advantage, um, for sure. Yeah. Well, and 
I think that I guess my introduction to the sport and how I've kind of gained a little bit of cred here is that my day to day is working with runners. Right. And a lot of these athletes identifying that they need to get their game up uh, and running is where their hole is. So Mm -hmm. they start seeking me out to try to solve that problem. Right. And I think it's I think it's a valid point. And and most of the people I talk to, I, I you know I talked to Jinyon Park and you know he agreed. I've you know Ryan Atkins and you know he mm-hmm. he agreed. Well, Ryan Atkins incidentally is a phenom. But I think that right. uh, you know he he almost he almost scoffs at the fact that a lot of these guys are trying to get the their run on, where he came into the sport with about ten years worth of solid trail running before he started right. competing which has been a decisive advantage for him, I think. Right. My understanding is, just based on what I, I do know about you, which is, it could all be lies for all I know. <laughs> but, but what I... All what fabricated. I, yeah, what I've learned about you is that uh, you don't have love for the run. You kind of shied away from running on the road simply because you feel that's kind of been rough on your body. Yeah. Uh, clearly coming away from some injuries, that that's even more so a concern. Right. It's funny, I you know, I don't know where, here's the thing, is that I've actually really grown to love running, and I've always run, so I don't really know if I started the rumor that I hate running, or like, then Runner's World kind of flew with that I, entire idea that I hated running. I never hated running, I just never felt the need to go out and pay money to go run on the road. Seriously, that was my thing. I remember I would run in college to say to stay in shape. Um, and I would run in law school and I was in law school in Seattle and there were great running trails and I did a lot of backpacking and a lot of hiking, but I just never felt the need. I'm like, why would I pay somebody 50 bucks to run 3.1 miles when I could just go run 3.1 miles on my own? Um, and so I just, I never really, it never appealed to me. Um, but I always ran as like a stress release, but I never, I never had a Garmin. I never had a watch. I didn't know what a tempo run was. Um, I only really kind of figured that kind of stuff out like this past year or two. I bought my first Garmin last summer and I remember being like, oh, so that's how fast I'm running right now. Um, So it's uh, like my background, it's a bit different because I just don't have that that pedigree at all. Um, But by no means am I a person that like hated running. Um, I just didn't ever really feel the need to like compete at it or anything like that. But yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I had like a stress fracture a few years ago that was from a lot of running on the roads. And so I kind of started to shy away from it a little bit and get more into the CrossFit realm. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's been, that is a concern. Um, so. Okay. You're going to have to forgive me for saying this, but yeah, but because if you knew me again, what goes in my head comes out my mouth. I, I'm looking at these little video clips of you running, and I just want you to know that the 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 perpetrator in, in the crime here is not the road. It's the way you're. It's, my it's the way you're treating the road right. that, that's causing you to have this grief. And for whatever it's worth, and, and again, no, for, no, no. I actually, I, I'm, I'm grossly, grossly pigeon-toed, um, and uh, I've been that way my entire life. Um, and it's caused a whole chain reaction of things. And my running form is, my arm swing is terrible. Um, and so, you know, it's something that I've, that I've worked on, um, since, but yeah. 
<laughs> you know, it's interesting because I look at, again, I'm dr- developing all these thoughts having not spoke right. to you and obviously polluted with the information that I'm gathering from the from the Internet. But mm-hmm. I look at you and I'm, I'm looking at it like, okay, here's a girl that's got a professional career. She's an attorney. And obviously that's going to pay the bills. And, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming, too, that to get to a place in a sport where – you have to make that decision. Well, you know what? Uh, being an attorney was a lot of fun, but I'm making a scat of money in this sport, so I'm just going to drop this and become a professional athlete. I, I just don't see that on the horizon for you. And, you know, where in the case with a lot of the athletes that I contend with, they're looking to turn this into their living, hoping that through their sponsorships and through uh, the relationships with people like Reebok and what have you, that they're going to do better than they might have done in their own regard as a, as a professional whatever, right? So I guess what I'm leading towards is what is your investment in the sport? Because I'm almost right. gathering that you do your first rates and you're killing it, and then the next year you win, the next year you win. You know, you're a tough cookie. And it's like I've worked with professional athletes in sport like baseball and football, things like this, and I've uh-huh. get, had guys that can, you know, they'll miss the workout. The, ah, I didn't want to do, you know, I, I catch him at McDonald's or Burger King and he just chowing down. But you get him in front of a baseball bat, he's a, a multi-million dollar athlete. Does it come to easy to you? I mean, so do you feel like, yeah, you know, I'm okay, uh, leave well enough alone, I could do really well in this sport, I'm just having a great time with it? Or is it something that your your competitive nature is such that you really want to win these races and you want to Uh, I don't want to say beat others because maybe it's a matter of just Mm -hmm. proving to yourself that you can do it rather than whether you can beat Uh, Mm so-and-so. What's what's your end game on all of this? You know, it's funny. I go back and forth on that like a lot. Um, But it's really, to me, I kind of just have to like step back and realize I'm like, I got into the sport at the beginning and I had a distinct advantage of that because, you know, like I have this kind of institutional knowledge and I've been around it for a while um and it's been fun and it's been great to grow with it um you know and so I at the end of the day I'm like all right well I'm doing well and I'm you know I'm doing well and I'm competing well and I feel good so if it ain't broke don't fix it so I'm kind of like at you know now I'm like all right like what I'm doing is working and let's just stay the course and yeah I've never you know, I, I, it's not something where I looking to turn obstacle racing into a full-time professional career. So I think if my performance started to drop off or things like that and things weren't working, then maybe I would look to like retool and like, okay, really what's my end game here? Um, right now I'm kind of fortunate and blessed and lucky to, you know, still be, still be doing well and still be competing at a high level amid, you know, all my competition, I would say 99% of them, their job is as a professional athlete. So, you know, for me, I'm like, I like to go out there and compete and be at that level, but then be like, Hey, look, I'm also, you know, like I, I like to juggle it with, you know, being a full-time professional as well. So, um, to me, it's just kind of, I've always said that, that it's cool to do it that way. I think that if I ever was like the idea of like being like, I need to win this race so I can pay next month's rent is just, I think it changes the character of what you do out there and why you do it. 
Um, and so I've never, that's never appealed to me, you know, right. even if that would, even if that would give me more hours in the day to train or, you know, to, to fix things that are gross about, you know, my technique or, you know, things like that, or give myself more rest and recovery time. Um, it's just, it's not something that I, you know, wanted to do. Right. So, th- yeah. And that's, that's what I think is unique about this whole thing, because, Number one, I don't think it's going to be a function of whether you start to degrade. Mm-hmm. I think it's really more of a function that the athletes that you compete with, their game's right. going to come up. Right. And you're going to see new people come into the fray that you know right. weren't there before, and they're going to they're going to spin off of other sports. Right. And, and you know, I think that really where this is going to come from is it's going to be a financial thing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's going to be more sponsors that come into the sport. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that um, you know television like NBC, you know, having been vested in this process so far, is going to cause the notoriety to grow. It's already growing in leaps and bounds. Right. And I could tell you just in the course of what I do and having sponsors that sponsor me to talk to you, mm-hmm. um, they are more and more becoming aware that this sport is really taking off. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but I, I think I've quoted it before, is that they've looked at the numbers of participation between triathlon and recreational runners, and those numbers combined are almost doubled by OCR uh, mm-hmm. participation these years. Then you got to look at the people that are making shoes, the people that are making garments, and people right. that are selling supplements, and all that stuff starts to proliferate around the growth of the sport and obviously enough then you know there's going to be money and the more money that gets so what i'm getting at is that like i've got friends that are participating in other sports and at a professional level right and you look at the amount of work they're doing relative to the earning they're getting Mm -hmm. and it's not that special you know what i mean it's not we're not talking about like tiger wood you know we're talking about I got a guy that's like an ultra marathoner and he yeah. literally kills himself and he's obviously a lot of these guys aren't doing it for the money. Right. But I mean, if you're going to have to invest the bulk of your life mm-hmm. to get better at the sport, then you got to put food on the table, right? Yeah. And, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> right. So it becomes a situation where um, I see guys that are being drawn to it now that you right. know, they're thinking, hey, I could do that. It's, I've always, I'm actually surprised that it, it, it hasn't like caught on. I was expecting, especially after last year and all the NBC races for it to just like, we would be seeing people every day coming into this out of nowhere. And especially runners who, you know, are maybe sub elite road runners who can, you know, hang like a two thirty marathon, but they're never going to make a living as a runner, but they could come into OCR and if they, you know, figure out the obstacles, probably crush the vast majority of the field. So um, it's been surprising me, you know, like that more people have it because there is more money in this than like, for me, I love running long distances. Give me 50 miles, give me, you know, 100K. And I love that, you know, but it's funny, like running those, you know, you run a hundred miles and your prize is a belt buckle, you know, you don't, don't, exactly. It's like they, you know, it's truly like nobody gets into ultra, ultra running for the money, you know, they do it for the love, but you were like, well, like, you know, like maybe I can go pick up some cash 
running obstacle races for sure. Uh, I think there's, I keep waiting for it. Yeah. To you know, honest. I'll tell you what I have. Um, I'm, I'm going to be careful and that's yeah. not like me, but I'm going to be careful anyway. Uh, I've got a friend that is a professional runner mm-hmm. and I, I know, I know that if he dropped what he was doing today, he could show up at world championships at Lake Tahoe and he could podium mm-hmm. and he won't have it. He won't have right. anything to do with it. And I I just wanted him to come on and discuss his feelings about the growth of the sport and what have you and what he thought the guys that are trying to contend for this this championship should be looking at in respect to their training and what. He wouldn't have it. He didn't mm-hmm. even want to talk about it. He said, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not into that. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I don't look at this as a, as a, a legitimate sport yet. Right. And I said, dude, you, you're, you're, you're dropping the ball. I said, you don't realize it, but there's going to be, in the very near future, this is going to be something that you're going to have to take a hard look at. And he was, oh, no, no, no. And he just wouldn't have any part of it. And mm-hmm. I was so surprised by that because, number one, I thought it was short-sighted. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, the name of my show is The Natural Running Network. And right. my focus has been for years running. Right. And quite frankly, it's more multi-sport. It's got to do with, uh, I mean, I talk to triathletes. I talk, talk to cyclists. And at the end of the day, to me, it's an endurance thing. So it's right. man-challenging time over, over road or hill or whatever it is for distance. Um, so I, I looked at this obstacle racing not that long ago, and I thought, wow, this thing is on fire. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, as I said already, the, the bulk of the people are in this sport the deficit in this process is their inability to run well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing a lot of coaching. I, I would say that uh, 99% of the people I coach these days are OCR people. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting to me, and I don't know what your thoughts are on it, I'm hoping you're going to share, is, you know, again, I'm here, here to piss people off today, but, <laughs> um, you know, I think the sport is uh, such a monster uh, for example, you show up at an event on a Saturday and there's three races that weekend right. in, the, in the same location. And the people that show up to do the race end up doing all three races. They're doing these trifectas. Mm-hmm. And, and that's unheard of. And, and right. I understand the nature of it. You're, you set up your camp. It's an expensive proposition to do it. And ideally, if you could put three races on in the same venue over the course of the same weekend, you're going to monopolize on the potential to earn and you're going to be able to pay for the sport. Right. Um, but I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's a bad move for uh, most of the people that are braving three events in a weekend from a standpoint of just their... Their bodies? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think for sure it's true. Um, it's something that I've had to, that I've had to, like, pull back on and, and kind of question and everything because... Um, you can race that we race as obstacle racers more than any other comparable running, you know, sport or, um, you know, it more than any sport. Like I can't think of any other, like, aside from if you're like, you know, on a football team, like if you're (laughs) in the NFL, right. Or something and you're playing a game every single week. But you could, if you wanted to go out and run an obstacle race every single weekend, of the year. I mean, I guess you could go and run a 5k every weekend if you wanted to, too, you could find those. But what I'm saying is that like, and it's almost, 
this attitude that's encouraged um, is that like, oh, you're more of a badass the more you race. And like he ran back to back races and like that's crazy and that's nuts. But the toll people forget the 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 trauma that um, OCRs have on our bodies versus, you know, like just a regular running race, because, I mean, you're crawling and you're climbing and. You know, I have barbed wire scratches all over me. I have second degree burns on me from a rope a few weeks ago. Like, so it just like you kind of have to like take a step back and get into like, all right, I need to be smart and heal. Um, for instance, like I ran pencil, the Pennsylvania, the NBC race a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I did really well. I won. I love that course. And I was so tempted to go out there the next day and, you know, and run it again because I absolutely love that course. And I love being out on those trails. And I was like, you know what, you should probably take a step back and be smart and not race back to back days. Um, because like, you don't need to. And like, it's strange because I, you know, you need, maybe you need to look at yourself as more of like an athlete where rest and recovery is more important versus like going out and banging your body up, um, you know, as much as. <laughs> well, live to fight another day for crying out exactly. loud. I mean, let, let's be, let's exactly. be real. It's not like you're going to progressively improve over the course of the weekend. You know, right. uh, you know, I, I know some athletes that are, for example, going to Hawaii and, right. and they're going to take on three events and some of them going to do this ultra beast. Yeah. And they're looking at doing a trifecta where, you know, I don't know, maybe they do a sprint, maybe they do the super and then they do ultra beast. Right. And they're complaining about injuries. They're not even there yet. Right. Right. And I'm thinking, well, (laughs) how smart is that? They, the, the bravado and the machismo and the, you know, the, I'm going to show everybody what I can do. And, you know, my friends are doing this Mm -hmm. and suck it up and don't quit and all this I mean, to some degree, I, I get it, but you really got to be a little uh, more, I don't want to say reserved, but a little bit more cautious about the process. And, and yeah. I think that the longevity and the ability to be competitive and uh, enjoy the sport for a greater length of time, because you can do some damage that may not rub off. You know, you can't wash it right. off. You, you know, you got to deal with right. it for a while. Uh, and the longer and the longer the events, you know, obviously the more, you know, I the world's toughest matter a 24 hour event. And it's, it's at the end of the, our season, thank God, because, you know, I need like a month to recover from that. And that's why you see ultra marathoners. They go out and they run 100 miles and they don't they maybe do that once or twice a year, you know, and granted, our events are a lot shorter. Um, but at the same time, you're also going really fast. Like if you're in it to win it that trauma of like running at full speed on technical trails, like every single stabilizer in your body the next day is just screaming, you know? Um, So I almost think in, in, you know, going that fast on such rough terrain almost cause, you know, is, is more risky than, you know, a longer, slower a a longer slower race i don't know i kind of go back and forth right so we're talking let's look at the lineup since we're talking about this and and let me know whether i'm wrong but i'm looking at your website and (laughs) and what i'm seeing here is there's essentially it's grayed out yet so i'm assuming those aren't done yet but there there seems to be some method to the madness and i'm just not sure how much you're gonna you know it's like to me it's like a um a buffet and, right. you know, you're standing there with your plate and you're deciding which morsels you're right. going to throw on the plate or leave behind. 
But I see that you have this Barkley Fall Classic 50K, which <laughs> sounds to me like a pretty smart idea uh, leading into uh, the World Championships. You know, it's a nice setup right. for, for the World Championships. And then that's on the, the 3rd. And so we're looking at what's right. uh, basically a couple weeks apart, which is, you know, if right. you did that race and then you kind of laid back, tapered a little bit and right. got ready for it's World Championships. It's pushing Champions. it, yeah. Yeah. But then you know, we're looking at uh, another two weeks out is the OCR World Championships. Are you going to do that too? Right. I, yes, I will be. And then guess what? You know, a couple of weeks out after that, well, actually about a month after that is World Toughest Mudder. Right. So you got yourself about uh, 45 days worth of hell to contend with, don't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, you're laughing about it. At least you're, you're going into it with the right attitude, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, you know, you just never, you never know, like, what happens, and it's a, it's a, it's a busy time of the year for us, you know, it's our championship season, and uh, as much as I would like them to be probably more spread out, um, so they're not all packed in within that amount of time, um, at the same time, it's really like race, and then recover and taper for the next one, and so... At that point, all of your hard training is done, and you're just kind of it's it's kind of self preservation through uh, through mid November. <laughs> yeah, I would think. Yeah, so let's yeah. talk about uh, the competition, and I mean it's an open book. You, know, you can say whatever you like, but obviously it's tough to ask people who they think is going to win when they're competing, right? Right. Uh, um, but let's let's say it anyway. So you're looking at uh, Spartan. Yeah. World Championships, which is going to be at Lake Tahoe. It's altitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who are you looking at uh, that you got to look over your shoulder for? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's – I have to go – it's funny. I think in years past we've seen that anything happens um, in, when it's been in Vermont. Um, and it's it can be anybody's game. Um, I really think, you know – Claude, obviously, having coming one last year. Um, Corinna is a strong contender. Rose is obviously, you know, has has been my fiercest, fiercest race rival, I guess. Um, it's always fun to race against her because it's just, you know, it's always been a battle um, between us. And um, really, I, I, like, I've been saying this for a long time, but... Everybody's got to watch out for Lindsay Webster because she's, like, she's gonna she's gonna come and crush us all. Um, so uh, you know it's it's anybody it's it can, but it can be really anybody's game. You know, there's a lot of people on the Spartan Pro team that I think that haven't raced as much, but are like hanging back and like really eyeing you know Tahoe and being prepared for that. So. Um, it, We'll see. Like, if it was in Vermont, where we've been the past few years, I could maybe have a better sense, but I feel like it might be a very different course, you know. Um, so you have to look at who has an engine to last and who can climb. Um, so, you know, who knows? And Deanna's going to be coming up. So it's pretty stacked women's field. Um, but, Yeah talk about the men all you want no no, no we're, we're going to talk about the mix uh i have obviously i have a favorite a favorite in this and you probably already, already know who it is but um what are your thoughts on on that who if you had a if you had a place of bet who do you think is going to take it on who on mansfield or... oh god 
You just spent a thousand bucks. One person. You just bet a thousand bucks. Who's it going to be? I hate doing this. I, I don't. I don't like to give anybody a name. Uh, no, I know. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because then if I don't, um, I uh, shit. I, I I guess I'll 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 go with um. I, I really think it's gonna it would be Ryan. Okay. Um, honestly, yeah. I think he's has overall well-roundedness, but at the same time, like I think Jonathan Alvin, obviously having come one last year and he is lightning fast up those mountains. Um, and Cody Moat is a dark horse that nobody ever really pays attention to, but you know, he's one in the past and is super fast. Th- and then I'm like thinking, I'm like, Hobie's going to be back. And I'm like, and Hunter's been off the grid, but like, you know, all of the racing that he's been doing with Boundless, I'm sure has been like, you know, is great for his endurance for this kind of race. So, you know, Matt has like a fire in him to come back and like crush all those, those youngins as he likes to call them. So it's fun. I wish I could be a spectator. I wish I could run the men's course and see how that unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I look at this like a mercenary, you know, I'm just like, yeah. I, I, I love these guys. Trust me when I tell you, I don't, I don't have right. anyone that I'm wishing against. Uh, you know, I wish yeah. them all the best. I quite frankly wish them all the best, but I look at it like, um, you know, I, I'm a coach, you know, I'm looking at who do right. I, who would I bet on relative to what I know they've been doing. And then I have processes that I, uh, I favor, you know, doing mm-hmm. the right things, the things that I think would take you to, to the podium preparing for an event like that. And obviously I don't know what everybody's doing, but I, I do have a snapshot at some of the processes and the volume and circumstance. And, and I I have to agree with you and everybody that I've asked pretty much has said the same thing that you did with almost verbatim in respect to giving cred to Cody Mote, giving cred to potentially Hobie call and, you know, some of the other guys that, um, that any given day put, putting it right together could, could make it happen. But I, I got to say, I think that the, it's just the history and the process that Ryan Atkins has is just like a perfect storm for something like this. Right. I, I just think he, he's just such a well-rounded athlete. And he's, he's, pretty well, he's pretty well convinced of his process, which is really mm-hmm. important, I think. You know, it's like when you're not sure right. what you should be doing, and uh-huh. you try a lot of random things to try to get right. it to work for you. It disrupts the rhythm, right? You know, I mean, the right. the, the way to right. get to the top. You, if you take a left and oh damn it, I should have went right, and uh, oh, I took a right uh-huh. and oh damn it, I should have went left, and then you. But next thing you know, the race is three weeks out, right? And, right. And then now you're damn it, what am I going to do? So you go into it with with all this trepidation, and you're not really sure what you're going to do. But I, I don't see any of that in Ryan. Right. You know, he's yeah. he's almost he's, he's such an affable guy. He looks at it like ha, 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 ha. he knows exactly what right. he's going to do. He knows and everything he does day to day seems to be spot on for him to get to where he's going. I think a lot of it is really is spending time out on trails as much as, you know, people people want to say obstacles, you know, are like is, is the, the sport as it is now, especially for longer races, is you need to be a great technical trail runner. And you need to have confidence out there. And uh, I think that's something when I list off, you know, Cody and Ryan and John, 
that's something they all have, um, you know, and that's something that's hard to, to do and that's hard to gain unless you're actually out on those trails. And that's, Ryan gets to do that. I, I see his Instagram posts. He's out there all the time. So <laughs> No, I know. I know. Well, we've talked yeah. about it, him and I, and, and uh, you know, it's it's he would do it anyway. I mean, what he does right. is what he does. It's not like he's doing right. it for the sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, that's the difference, I think. And, and a lot of guys are trying to find what they should be doing. And some of it they're doing they don't love. I know guys that it's like pulling teeth to get them to put the volume in and because they uh-huh. hate it. It's just like, oh, man, you know, and just can I do this instead, you know, type attitude. And, you know, if, if it's not in your just, wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. I'm the opposite. If I could be out on the trip, if, like, you know, the happiest I am is when I'm out on trails and running around all day, you know, three, four hours, like runs and then, or like long hikes or backpacking was something that I used to do all the time that I don't really, can't really do in Chicago. Um, so, but that's, I mean, I think just really that like time on feet kind of aspect and, um, being out there and exploring goes for great lengths in this sport. Um, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think, and I, I have some people right now that I'm working with that, you know, they're going, oh, God, I got, got this race coming up. What should I be doing? I said, mm-hmm. what I want you to do is go into this canyon, and mm-hmm. I want you to stay in that canyon <laughs> and spend time. I mean, really, at the end of the day, the, the strength component does not require a ton of time. Right. Especially yeah. when, you, when you get to a maintenance level with it where, you, you right. know, and, and obviously enough, what's critical in all of this is your strength to weight ratio. If you're not trying to battle right. with your weight, or you're not trying, your strength is good relative to your mass. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's kind of a foregone conclusion. You just you're good with that. You just got to be right. able to move and continue to move, and as you suggested, be very very capable on the trails. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't even concern myself with speed. I tell them, I said, look, stay aerobic. And get out there and dance around in there and do the best you can and, and right. you know, spend as much time, bring food, bring hydration, rest when mm-hmm. necessary, but get out there and put in the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have, uh, uh, I'm sure you know Dylan Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've been working with Dylan and he was a CrossFit guy to the bone, still is. Right, right. And I got him up, he's doing, for him, a huge amount of running. He's, he's at 50 miles a week now. Yeah. And, you know, the greatest number of miles he put in a week before I started working with him was like 10 or 15. Yeah. You know, and what's really interesting is that his running is becoming second nature now. He's starting to really feel good about it. He gets out on the trails. It feels real good to him. He's really gaining confidence in his running because he's putting in the time. Mm-hmm. I, I said, stop talking to me about how fast you are. I, I just want you to get out there and make friends with it, you know. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't go in there and get beat up and then come home and wish you didn't. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think for sure the biggest change that I've done from this past year, from last year to this year, and that I think has helped me tons, is being able to get out on trails more. Um, And I mainly do that when I travel. So, like, if I'm traveling for races, then I'm also, like, you know, getting out the day after a race, like, somewhere in the mountains. Like, not necessarily going fast, but just, like, getting out there and moving around and, um, you know, spending time out on the trails. And that's yeah. helped a lot, especially com- getting comfortable with descending, things like that. So That's the toughest part. Yeah. I, th- I think that most people are challenged by the downhills. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously enough, when you have bad running skills to begin with, when you it's ex- extrapolated, when you go downhill... Um, you just got that much more stress coming off. Right. You, a lot of times it's the one-two punch. You run badly 
when you're on the flats and then all that stress is compounded and then you go downhill and it just takes you out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know that's a big challenge. One of my favorites in respect to uh, technique in, in regard to downhill running is Scott Jurek. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I've heard about how he runs downhill. Yeah, right, well, and Joe, Joe Joseph, I mean, Joe Gray, I'm sorry. Joe Gray. Joe Gray, yeah. Uh, he's just an amazing, you know, he's a mountain runner. And, and just uh, the way they go downhill is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't break speed relative right. to angle. They just fly down those hills. It's been something that I've actually had to like work. Like I'll do down. It's all. I mean, you have to be very careful when you do it because you can't. Like it's so hard in your body. But do like downhill repeats to like get comfortable flying downhills. Because I think two years ago I was like I don't want to run down that. Like you know I was breaking the entire way down things like that. Um, but then just like getting to that point, being able to like let yourself just fly. Um, and still working on, still getting there, but it got it much better. <laughs> well, let me give you a tip. Yeah. The tip is to focus on your cadence when you're on the flat ground. Mm-hmm. You've got to get your cadence up right. because the key to going downhill is cadence. Right. You've got to be able to have your feet underneath you. And what Scott Jurek told me, and, and I, I thought it was kind of uh, natural and interesting, is he says, when you think in terms of how you're going to approach a downhill, he goes, look at the terrain, look at the, look at the trees around you. He right. goes, the trees that are on the, the slopes, they're straight up and down. They don't, they don't bend with the hill. Right. And he said, just you want to kind of mimic nature. Just you know, go downhill, try to stay up, uh, erect, and just keep your feet underneath you and, and pedal away. It's good advice because, a lot, as you suggested, a lot of people, the biggest error they make is they, they get this real heavy braking. Mm-hmm. And that's just oh, so hard on your on your body. It's just really yeah. so hard. So, anyway, for whatever it's worth. And so you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get through the world championships, mm-hmm. and you, you're gonna dance away from that, right? And then go to the OCR World Championships, right? Which is in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't know anything about the terrain there. It's uh, very, Ohio's pretty it's, flat, right? Well, so it's funny. It's interesting. Ohio is like super flat until you all of a sudden get to this part where this where OCR World Championships is at King's Domain, and it's like super. It's not. It's not massive long climbs, but it's all up and down. There's no. It's just straight up, straight down. Like, and there's shorter climbs, but there's very little like flat running which makes it a really interesting course so i've run that course before um and it's it's really it's actually pretty technical terrain um so it's it'll be uh it's a fun it's a fun challenge fun time compare it to uh spartan do you think the spartan world championships is going to be tougher um i mean obviously altitude is going to play into it yeah altitude not as much as it did in breckenridge a few when we were there a few weeks ago um but I think, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting. I think actually the obstacles at OCR World Championships may end up being harder because they're going to be things that we're more unfamiliar with because they, Adrian, the founder, is like bringing in, he's having race series from around the world to like contribute obstacles. So they're going to be things like maybe from a Swedish race, like toughest, that a lot of us have never seen before. So, um 
you know, that is going to throw a new element into it. And it's going to be really interesting, you know, because you get with Spartan, you get it's fantastic. I love smart Spartan more than anything, but you get used to the obstacles and, you know, and it becomes familiar and it's easy to do and it's easy to fly through those. And they make them, you know, they challenge you and make them harder and step up the game. But at the same time, it's something that you've done so many times that you're familiar with it. So when you're throwing in the unknown with OCR World Championships, you know, it, it, it can throw you off for sure. And so after you breeze through that, <laughs> then then you got World's Toughest Mudder. Correct. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, World's Toughest Mudder is like my, it's like where it all started. So it's always like has a special place in my heart. Um, and, you know, it's it, any, anything can happen. We're back in the in the desert in vegas and uh i'm praying for no sandstorms this year but i'm sure that there will be something interesting and at that point it's that's really just a you know that's a straight test of longevity and willingness to like you know gut it out for 24 hours there's a good chance i'm going to be there for that yeah well miguel medina has been trying to get me to come on his crew with him and if he's going to do the team thing with hunter yeah um, you sh- I, I mean, it's, there's nothing like it. It's really, really interesting. I mean, it's probably not interesting to be there for 24 hours, but to at least observe part of it, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, I'm, I suck as a spectator. <laughs> I do, too. I, mean? I really... I do, too, yeah. I, I, I don't... I, you know, I have... I work with athletes of all sorts, and, and I work yeah. with football players and basketball players, and I never go to their games. I mean, these are, mm. these are cl- clients. I mean, they're private clients that I work right. with, hand on hand and you know yeah. and really vested in their in their progress and i think there's only been two times where i actually even went to a football game that one of my athletes was was playing in yeah and i told him going in i said look i'm going to show up and i'm going to hang out to halftime so you better get it done you know you better put the game where it needs to be by halftime because i'm leaving i'm not sitting out right. there in this concrete in the cold <laughs> to watch yeah. you play football and you know they take it with a grain of salt um and I actually had one guy that, you know, he's a quarterback and come halftime, uh, they were up by about, uh, I don't know, they were up by a couple touchdowns and I'm walking away and then I could hear it sliding away. <laughs> I hear, yeah. hear the uh, announcer talking about, oh, turnover, no, no, no. And, the, and the, you know, then he lost because uh, <laughs> he was winning until I left. And yeah. So I, I felt kind of bad about that, but... Um, it's it's definitely an interesting it's uh, you know i tell people my parents want to come down for world service matter because it's like i run it every year you know it used to scare scare the holy bejesus out of them when i would was running it um but i'm like you know it's not really spectator friendly like you don't want to be out there for 24 hours i was like come take a look at it and then go back onto the strip and like have some fun or something like that you know well i'm good crew Uh, you know i'm definitely good crew because i patch people up and i I have a very good sense about the things that they need to be doing while they're doing what they're doing. So, right. you know, uh, mentally vested in the process is different than be, being just a spectator. Right. Uh, you know, I, sure. so so I'd be busy and, and I, I might do it. I It might be fun to do. I, I think I'd love to do it to help out Hunter. And, and I, I like Miguel a lot. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. And Yancey Culp's been trying to talk me into it as well. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. But any, anyway, it, I'm very I'm very vested mentally in this whole process. And uh, so you're going to, you've got three world championship events. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you win all three of them, <laughs> right? 
trifecta, ultimate trifecta. Yeah. So let's say that you win all three of them. You know, you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing. I mean, that, you should, I mean, that should already I, I be, well, nobody's yeah. Ever, nobody's ever done it, but yeah. I, I, well, I, like to, I like to set expectations. I'm one of those people that I set expectations low. So, so, <laughs> so you're never yeah. disappointed? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's just say, for example, that you did. And mm-hmm. you, you win and you won. And then XYZ sponsor walks up to you and says, you know what, we're really la, 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 la. And they're going to ha- hand you a fat check and say, we need you to quit your career. <laughs> You're laughing. I, I, yeah, I just, I don't, well, first of all, I guess I just don't see, I don't, I don't see a fat check happening. Um, and I also, I just, I don't, I don't think I do it, uh, honestly. I think um, in terms of like quitting, I've invested so much in my life in using my brain and being an attorney and, you know, being at the top of my class in school all the way through, you know, I worked my way through and uh, I can be an attorney, you know, when I'm 50, 60 years old. Um, And so... Like, I just don't, I I don't see myself giving up the professional life. I'm not going to, I've never said never, like categorically never, but I just, I don't, the way that I work, I work best when I'm constantly busy. And so I almost think that having a professional career makes me prioritize my training and, um, be very focused with it, to be totally honest. Um, so I kind of like the way that it works. Well, think um, about this for a second. Just mm-hmm. you said, you know, I I, I get that you're, you're not going to be right. a, a, a winning athlete at 50 years old, right? But you could be representing them. I could realize I could. that realize yeah. that uh, when you become 50, the sport will be 20 years old, right? And the money that we we're, we're scoffing at right now could be a big deal. I mean, it okay. could be like soccer money, you know? Right. It, the world championships could be a five million dollar, six million dollar event. Right. And so, let's say that you had 20 of these athletes that you basically uh, represented. And, yeah. you know, so you and who who better to represent you than someone that came up through the ranks as a professional right. and world class athlete. Right. No, so, I mean, I it's not it's something I see myself involved in OCR in some capacity or another for like as long as it's around. You know, it's it's obviously I've stuck with it because I love it and it's a passion of mine and I love the community. And so in whatever form that may be, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay involved. And so, but I just, I don't ever see myself as a full time professional athlete. You know, I just, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> well, i tell you what I too, I, I, even as a voyeur in the sport, I, I fell in love with the sport when I think what really won my heart was when I went to the Bahamas Yeah. and uh, getting a sense of what you suggested, the community and the, the whole energy that was involved in that whole thing. It's different, you know, and I've been around triathletes and I was a triathlete myself and runners and what have you for eons. And it's a different mindset. The, the camaraderie associated with this sport is so much greater than there is in most of the other sports. I'm sure I'm pissing people off that, that are in other sports that are friends of mine, but it's just true. I've just learned from it. I, I just think that uh, um, it's very rare to find athletes that are at the top of the sport that are almost as happy to see their friends win as opposed to them winning. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? No, totally. It makes sense. 
I think so. I mean, it's, you know, I think that it's definitely a very, very unique community. That's what got me involved in it. And that's what kept me around in it. So, um, you know, I hope that as it grows as a sport, we're able to retain that. Um, I know, you know, we're going to go through growing pains and, and we obviously have already gone through a lot. Um, so, but I really, really hope that that community aspect stays there. Yep. Well, and then I think that it's got to do with the brands. You mm-hmm. know, I think that the brands bring on their own sense of flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you agree that the toughest mutter community is different right. than Spartan? And No, I think, I think so too. I think it, it's, there's very, there are a few athletes that kind of transcend and do all, all of them. But, you know, for the most part, people kind of like stick with one or the other, um, which I always think is kind of the, a poor approach. I think, you know, like go out and, and try other things. You know, I hate the dogmatic, like this is the only way to go. This is the only right. race I'll run, you know, right. like you're just limiting yourself as an athlete. Like I've been over and over again, I'm like, I need to get to a battle frog just because I really want to run one. And then I keep like having conflicts. And so I'm like, all right, <laughs> got to get one on the calendar, Amelia, you know, but uh, so, yeah. Well, I, I know that to be true. And, and I, I know that some of the athletes, uh, Cassidy Watton, for one, uh, you know, she was for, until its demise sponsored by Atlas. Right. And, you know, we, we had this conversation about, you know, the different uh, brands and which ones she was feeling good about. And the way the events are produced and what have you, and, and it's um, it's it's definitely a blend. There's uh, various uh, attributes in each of the different brands and the approaches to the sport. I, I like this this thing that Battle Frog does, where if you don't do the obstacles, they they pull your band off, and, and mm-hmm. you, you don't go to the to the checkout window to get your check. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a really good idea because you know, and then th- there's something to be said for the even the playing field where you got the really tough, strong dude that. You know, he can get he can get beat by uh, the little whippet, mm-hmm. uh, but the whippet can't lift the weight, right? So you right. you got to have some kind of an equalizer there. So it's just interesting, and I, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I'm definitely going to be around to see it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always say, like, you know, I don't really – people have this entire debate, like, mandatory obstacle completion versus not. I'm like, you know, I don't really care, whatever. Like, whatever people decide, I'll go out there and do it, and I'll do my damnedest to win at whatever is thrown at me, you know. So uh, – That's the best attitude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you go into it with all this angst. Oh, you know, if I don't do this, you know. Right. And, yeah, you're just setting yourself up for a loser. You just yeah. got to go do it, no doubt. <laughs> Well, Amelia, I, uh, I'm very glad we had a chance to talk. Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, I'm sure that I'll have a, a chance to see you at one of these events uh, because yeah. I'm such a huge spectator. Exactly, as you said. I've got to read about it. It's funny because I'll, I'll pull up the newspaper on Sunday mornings to find out how my guy did. Right, know? right. But, but uh, you know, physically going out there and standing around. There's nothing worse than standing around to watch a race. Well, I just I can't do it because I want to be out there running it. Like, I'm so bad at, like, so I was crewing and pacing for um, a runner at uh, Tahoe Rim at a 100 miler the other weekend. And I'm just, like, sitting there. I'm like, it's great. It's fantastic to crew, fantastic, like, support, and really cool to do the event. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, God, I want to be out there running right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're that, that's my problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> tri- I want to be, I want to be out there competing myself. Yeah. Triathlon, it's, it's like, they get out of the water, and then you get to watch the grass grow. Right. You know, they're gone for, like, five hours. 
and then you're just standing there waiting for him to come back. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But anyway, it's uh, it's been great talking to you. Watch out for Amelia Boone, World Championships. Yeah. She's coming. <laughs> she's coming with a vengeance. She loves you, but she's got to beat you down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amelia. Thanks. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.